0: Welcome back. This is episode 5 General Consensus Podcast, and it's Tino here with my co-host Simba and Toanda. And I'm excited because today we were joined by Chiedza and Tonatswa who were here on behalf of We Are Not Boards. Now Chedza is of course the chief editor and Tanatsu is one of the creative directors on their team. But unfortunately, there was an issue with the first two minutes of the recording where I introduced our guests and then Simba asked him the question: how did the name We Are Not Boards come up? And the audio picks up right at the beginning of Tanatsu's answer in which she describes how it was influenced by a class she took in high school. But other than that, here is episode 5 of the General Consensus Podcast. Happy listening.
1: In class, one thing that came up was the word broads and how it meant prostitute for the longest time in the 20th century, and it sort of just became normalized because women's, how society perceived women became ingrained in their sort of sexual value at some juncture, so we realized that being called abroad was not a fun thing at all. And also, I think it has a lot to do with the tone of which the word was used with. Like boys would say, "Ah, yeah, that broad, like that doesn't sound nice at all. I don't know any girl who wants to be called, yeah, that broad, I don't smart that broad. It's just also the negative connotations and the negative tone, um, I think led us to want to reject sort of this inherently negative way in which we were being perceived. Yeah.
0: No, I I can understand that because obviously a lot of times people use words and they don't care to investigate or research for themselves the etymology or you know the history behind the words and then when you confront them because people are so so much in their comfort zone they become a bit defensive. Um, I once tried to explain this to a friend of mine and then he said well we say stuff like yeah and jages and then It's difficult to now explain to someone who doesn't want to understand that, for example, you can't use that as a defense, because those words were constructed simply for slang terms, whereas um, sort of as the organization tries to inform people, Broad has a long and lengthy history with, um, if I'm not mistaken, prostitution and the way that women are perceived. Um, Tawanda, you had a question as well,
2: do you want to go ahead and ask it now? Yeah, uh, um, I, I will thank you, Tina. But first off, I just want to say, like, um, how much I appreciate and and basically like value like the the way you guys um, came up and and decided to put yourselves out there. Like, yeah, it's proper bravery, I I think, at at this stage to say what most people are not only were but are still are like. Afraid to say, like afraid to point out, afraid to gaslight. So, I'm trying to put my appreciations out on that. And my question is basically based on one of the YouTube videos I watched from you guys, which is very well put out, I must say. Um, but this, my question is uh, based on the quote unquote poets that you referenced. I think it, it was in the, in the What Aboutism video, where you guys referenced, uh, you, you guys said that the poet is talking about like half of feminism that isn't feminism at all. Now to me, like that, you know, like that quote in itself, I was like, damn, that sounds cool. But I don't think I fully understood it. Like, um, can you please elaborate on that?
1: yeah, do you want to take
3: that? Um, uh, okay. Um, actually, I don't think I was in that episode. Like, I'm not sure which quote that is.
1: Okay, safe. Um, so it was about this spoken word, this man made where he said um, she's not a feminist if she hates men, she's not a feminist if she prioritizes the worst things about men or whatever that was about, and we thought that spoken word was very reflective of the attitude like um, Tina I think said, People sometimes don't want to learn. And when they engage in certain discussions, they are prepared to see exactly what feminism is not. So no matter how many times you say feminism is not hating men, feminism is not rejecting the fact that men also go through um, gender-based violence and all those sorts of things, um, people make a concerted decision sometimes though to hate you based off of the people who are doing the wrong thing. So, of course, there are women out there who are man-haters or women out there who are, like, slanderous towards other women. But that is not what feminism represents doctrinally. And when you choose to judge feminism based off of girls x b and z who do the wrong thing it then is clear that you don't want to see feminism for what it truly is but you just want to find something to hate it for so that's what that was about seeing everything wrong and deciding to base all of your judgments about something on everything wrong with something as opposed to what's good about it yeah i hope that makes sense
2: no it made it made total sense thank you for that yeah it's yeah i I can understand how like annoying it is trying to get a point across, and then someone decides to divert and like not exactly divert, but using a small sample size to try disrupt the conversation. Which brings me up to my next to my like little shorter follow-up question: How do you handle like backlash in general? Like obviously, this kind of movement is not going to come without um, a significant a significant amount of haters so to say, like how do you handle that in general?
3: Um, I think backlash, there are different ways that you can handle it for different ways that it comes to you. Like um, we've experienced a lot of trolling and there, there's really not much that we can do except um, report accounts, I guess, like troll accounts. We can report those, we um, try to pull people out but then um, other backlashes sometimes more I wouldn't exactly call it backlash it's more people approaching us and kind of proposing the things that we um the ideas that we try to communicate with people and in that case we try as much as possible to engage with people because we are trying to create um an environment where like we can actually have um productive conversations my bad um so instead of Sometimes just saying you're on and leaving it at that, we try to explain to people again in even simpler terms sometimes to yeah, try to get our point across even more clearly. And sometimes if someone just doesn't want to listen to you, you we just accept it because there's really not much we can do about that.
1: And can I also just say thank you to Tawanda for what- what you said in your first question. I think people forget of the the human experience of being in sort of activism. It's not like our emotions disappear for one thing. It still hurts when you're trolled or people attack you for no reason. And also there's all these crazy expectations that people place on feminists, especially, oh boy, X was raped. Oh, we are the feminists? Anything that, we are the feminists? And it's like, you have to be active active in every single political issue that exists. And people are constantly attacking you. It's, it's literally a very emotionally taxing line of work. But we have to persist.
0: Um, if, if I can piggyback off uh, Tanatswa's point, that actually um, leads to my next question, which is that, like, for example, most of our teenage lives, right, um, we work on not caring about how people perceive us and what people say about us. But then what kind of a psychological turn is it to have to do the exact opposite by now hearing what people say and sometimes it's nonsense but you know as someone as you know a group of advocates and activists sorry you guys have to filter through all the nonsense and still go through it because you know there might be someone who who's sort of misinformed line of thinking you can turn around but what's that turnaround like um by having to switch to now having to address most of what comes your way so that you can try to change or engage with and change certain rhetoric, if that makes sense.
1: That does make sense. Um, I think one thing that reflects how complicated it is is within our group of about 10 girls, we have people who are prepared to work through these issues and work through people's opinions and try to change their minds and others who just cannot fathom dealing with some of people's perceptions and I do think a lot of it is to do with personally how much can you handle because a lot of the things men I don't want to generalize people can say about these issues can be triggering so you have to be open-minded for one thing but you also should not be afraid to have boundaries um, in my opinion so I think it does take a lot of Compassion, but that's an inherent part of the work. And if you're up for it, you should do it. But if you're not, that's totally fine. In my opinion, I don't know what Chia might think.
3: Um. Yeah, I agree with you. But like, just to add on, uh, I think there's also it also requires a bit of um rem- removing an emotional attachment to whatever. Um, is being said or you have to engage with because it's like the way that we sometimes try to treat it is um, just looking at the idea that the person is portraying and it's really difficult to do that sometimes if you are um, more emotionally invested than you are in the actual point the core of what the person is saying so yeah and like was said, it's more difficult for some people, it's easier for other people. So we just kind of try to balance it out and whoever can does it.
0: Okay, thank you for your answers. Um, and I want to just go off on a slight tangent and ask everyone um, in this meeting, what they think about, not necessarily just locker room talk, because this is one issue that I particularly quite enjoyed reading about. Um, so for example, rape culture and how locker room talk sort of contributes to that but we often hear sort of responses um, from a lot of guys often often um, when you try to tell them about it it's like i know how does that possibly you know relate to rape culture and contribute to it so what would be your immediate response to that if someone particularly a friend um, sort of fires that back at you and this is open to everyone i have my own perspective but i also want to hear what everyone thinks.
1: I think the premise itself of it being locker room talk is enough, if you're honest with yourself, to tell you that there's something wrong or possibly offensive with what you're saying. Because if you can't say it in front of a woman, then because you have some inherent sense of the fact that it might be disrespectful, why are you willing to still stand by that opinion?
2: Okay. Tawanda, do you have any? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm with I'm I'm with Tenato in the sense that you have to, if you feel that, okay, I can't say this in front of someone, then you, you have to know that, like, okay, this in general is disrespectful. I can't, I can't just be coming out and saying this. Um, yeah, especially with locker room talk. Like, I like the way you use locker room talk because that in itself has negative connotations. Because you know it's it's and like in its wording itself, it's it sounds normal, but then like in the context that it's been used in lately, you can tell that it's destructive. It's yeah, derogatory. It's it's something that you can't just be doing anymore. It's yeah, you can't you can't be having locker room talk because if it was something that you could say normally, you wouldn't, you it would be in the clear. So yeah, I guess it's, it's disrespectful, you can't, yeah, you just can't be pulling out certain things and just saying, okay, now I'm with the boys, it really doesn't matter. It, you should have respect through and through, that's my take. I, I do agree with, with Tawanda and
0: Tanatwa, but I, I think I take it a bit further because my opinion is that, let's say, even if you said these things um, in front of women, right, it still conditions people to the wrong way of thinking. It's just the same way that porn and even music will slowly change your perspective. And I think that to think otherwise is to be ignorant, because even the most stubborn of us human beings are susceptible to influence, malleable even. And funny enough, the ones who say that they aren't influenced that much are usually the most vulnerable, because when you tighten up like that, then your weak point is a, is a massive weak point. Like, even if we look at, for example, BF Skinner's theory of conditioning, right, that shows us that only negative feedback is what can turn us away from potentially corrosive habits. So it goes back to, you know, and you hear this a lot, we see this a lot when you look at um, a lot of what the content that we are not boards are producing, which is that, um, at least from my um, perspective, it's that all these little things that we do, right, they contribute to rape culture. And over time, they become ab- habitual until like Tawanda says, they, they're sort of normalized. And you never wanted to reach that point. And that's just my perspective on that. Um, so that just leads me to ask everyone, um, how would you guys describe the social climate in Zimbabwe, uh, particularly in our communities and also, well, yeah, in, in our age groups and sort of, yeah, our age group definitely, let's say, 17 to 23, which is a pretty broad age group, but I think it's something to work with.
2: Um, yeah, dude, I think perfect time to introduce Twitter because, yeah. Like, you know, there's always that, that terming on Twitter, like, ah, this is wild. This is, yeah, it's actually just a mess. I would, I would say that the social climate, uh, especially for our age group, is a mess because you have people who, who have now, like, like you said, uh, using the same term that you used earlier, they've now normalized stuff. Like, they've normalized stuff that we, basically that that was unacceptable i'm not gonna say like it was unacceptable back in the day but unacceptable in general you can't like uh, what example can i use oh yeah like even the whole relationship the like relationships in general like how they displayed in on i'm gonna keep using twitter on twitter for example and the way that people get found out with Side chicks, or just caught vibing with other people. It's like I feel like there's a strong lack of respect these days. It's, yeah, that's that's my take. I feel like, uh, because of that lack of respect, things have just taken a turn for the worse.
0: Okay, Cheds and Tanata, what do you guys think? What, how much do you think society, for example, the rules that we or the norms in our sort of age group, um, they contribute to? rape culture, not just rape culture, but just like discrimination, and it doesn't have to be linked to just GBV, but in general, how does that sort of erode our own culture as young Zimbabweans? Because Chimamanda um, Gozi Adichie, I think that's her name, I always mix it up, Um, she said that people, well culture doesn't make people, but people make culture. So what do you guys think about the state of play right now?
1: Um, I think Our, to encapsulate this in one word, I think our culture is in denial. Um, We, in my opinion, like to perform a lot our activism or our allegiance with social justice. But when it comes down to making personal decisions about changing our culture, I don't think we are as committed. Um, To give an example, I had a friend who's Lebanese and she's Zimbabwean also. And when we were going through the height of Zimbabwean Lives Matter, there was that explosion in Beirut. And everyone started saying, oh, look at Beirut getting all the attention. No one cares about Zimbabwe. And Lebanese, the Lebanese are going through a very similar situation to us um, politically, economically. But it seems like all we care about is ourselves. We're not prepared to stand up for the values that we say we believe in um, on a personal level, I think. I think we like to perform and that comes through in GBV when boys our age especially say, yeah, I respect women, but then locker room comes into play, rape jokes come into play. You ask them to stop making the rape jokes. They say, oh, it's not that deep. There's no real sense of commitment, to changing the culture that's perpetuating the negative aspects of our so- society, and without that personal commitment, everything means nothing, in my opinion. So, um,
3: yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's it's a very messy uh, situation because there are quite a few people who are trying to, you know, um, they're trying to like, you know, change um, the way our culture is as a group of people but um at the same time there are a lot of people who are comfortable with the way things are or who go against um the change that people try to make like um for example when we first created everything um we had a few people who would go on twitter and say oh no you can call me abroad like it's okay like i don't mind and that kind of it's kind of tone deaf to the actual message that we are trying to communicate. And I think there's a lot of tone deafness all around because people just say things and don't really care about the connotations behind what they say or they do things and they don't really care about the consequences or the connotations behind it. And I think it just perpetuates a cycle of um, rape culture that we can't really get out of because people don't necessarily want to get out of it, even if it's damaging to them or to the people around them. So yeah, it's it's all really messy, and it's yeah, it's just, it's hectic.
0: It's, it's a really difficult situation, I think. And, you know, it makes me beg the question, because theoretically, all it would take, you know, in a utopian society, would be for everyone to hold themselves accountable and do their little part. That's literally all it would take. But as... As the organization and many other have highlighted more than a few times, whether you're a good guy or not, all men benefit from the from patriarchal society. And that's just the truth of it. So how do we go about affecting change, particularly when we face resistance from the majority? Because like Tanato said, you know, there are a lot of pretenders, but also like Chienza says, or um, well, to paraphrase, there are a lot of people that are just like. How can I say it? Um, Yeah, like the the example of like the people on Twitter will be like, oh, okay, it's okay, you can call me abroad. So we see we're facing resistance from every single direction. So what can be the way forward to find a solution realistically?
1: Um, I'd say emotional intelligence. I think our mental and emotional states are responsible for who we are on the day to day. And we don't talk enough about how important it is to work through that aspect of things when we want to change society so for example like what she was talking about where other girls will come and say well I don't mind being called abroad um there's so many things that go into that there's a cool girl complex that we talk about like a cool girl trope and by deciding that you're cool with things that other girls aren't cool with you're picked. And that is something that as women is ingrained in us from a young age, that you want to be the Cinderella in the pile. Um, so addressing that emotional um, experience, when we ask these questions about why are you cool with being called abroad is important, or with girls who have friends who are perhaps sexual predators, and the same goes for boys who have friends who are sexual predators. It's important to have that discussion about how that came about, the peer pressure that surrounds that experience, right? If you denounce the behavior of your friend who's a sexual predator, what are the social consequences? And how do those social consequences affect you mentally and emotionally? Because your instinct of survival will decide that it is not worth your social standing to say, no, I don't want to be called the board or no, boy X, what you did to that girl was not cool. And I think it's that lack of emotional awareness and emotional intelligence about what's going on in our heads when we're faced with these issues and decisions about how we want to interact with movements is what's lacking. Um, We need to be more cognizant of why we make the decisions we make and how we can change that decision-making process
3: for the better. Um, Yeah, I agree. And just to add on, I think um, there also needs, okay, I think in general, people need to care enough to want to change, because a lot of things that create, create, I don't know, propagate, whatever, um, a lot of things that keep rape culture going is things that we've known for a long time, things that have been conditioned into us, and it's very difficult to change things like that, even to just accept that in a situation that you're wrong, it can be very difficult. And I think in order for people to actually take the steps and the action that they need to in order to combat this and to, you know, change accordingly, is you actually care enough. And yeah, I think a lot of people don't really care because they don't necessarily see how it affects them immediately or yeah, they don't really have a reason to care. And I think it's very important for us to understand why we need to care about these things and why we need to care enough to actually change as individuals and as a whole. Yeah,
0: I do, I definitely think that the hardest people to reach are those that feel like they aren't affected by this. Um, I spoke earlier about, you know, the good guy, the good guy, I think you can call it that, you know, the guy who thinks that doing the bare minimum which is um, not being aggressive, not you know um, being a rapist or harassing women is is good enough, but it's not like it's the bare minimum. And then sometimes those are people who we look at them, and sometimes we lose allies because not because of our own doing, but because these people aren't informed enough to know that just not doing bad things doesn't mean that you're helping the cause. It just means that you know you're not contributing to the cause positively but possibly negatively because you're giving, you know, rapists and all these terrible people a safe space by not confronting them. Um, but then, you know, Tanato spoke about, you know, social ramifications. And that makes me want to ask about the legacy of victim blaming, um, particularly, you know, in our society, in our communities. My question is, what are the different facets of society where we still see the victim blaming being prevalent?
3: um I would say one area where I know a lot of girls especially face a lot of backlash is when someone leaks their nude pictures and no one really comes for the guy who sent out her pictures it's always the girl and it's always an issue with her and yeah it's it's not like she chose to send it to everyone she chose to send it to one person but yeah a lot of the time people go for her and um i would say also date rape i've seen quite a bit of victim blaming on twitter i can't really think of anything else okay i think it's safe to say
1: Rape in general, also. Um, from personal experience with once again Twitter, um, the only instances I've seen men really come out and say, like, this is definitively wrong, and rape is wrong is when it's a child. It always has to be, and by child, um they don't often count girls who are 14 and above. So it has to be a baby and In other instances, it's, oh, but what was she wearing? Oh, but that's her boyfriend. It doesn't count. Oh, but she went to a sleepover. What did she expect to happen? Um, Interestingly, I think there's a complex we have surrounding the roles of men in society. It's as if we've decided men are too weak um, to resist temptation. And there's just women have to be the ones to make sure they remain in the best form. It's like men are weak. They are the leaders, though. But as women, we're responsible for maintaining their capacity to lead by making sure that we are not temptresses um, who destroy their reputations, or we are not the ones who actively lead them to destruction in some way, as opposed to men being able to take accountability for who they are. It's always women who have to take accountability, which I think is a strange structure.
0: I think it's very strange, actually. Um, That's an interesting choice of word. I think to slightly deviate, I used to think that victim blaming was something that, you know, it's something that's drilled in us and that, you know, we can't help but do. But then I look at the George Floyd incident and even Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and that, and all these like tragedies, right? As the Black people supporting those communities, right, of African Americans. When white people were victim blaming, um, for example, George Floyd saying that oh he's he's a past criminal, he has all these indictments and all that, we were quick to say even as black men we we're quick to say oh that's victim blaming you can't do that. But then when the tables are turned and the roles are reversed and it's now happening to black women R E G B V and sexual harassment all these sexual crimes, we are victim blame. and that's the problem because that's when I realised that it's not something that it's not inherent. It's a conscious choice that people make that today it's better for me to victim blame and I'm going to get away with it. And the perpetrator is going to get away with it. And we're going to focus all the attention on the victim and exonerate the guilty, which is, I think, quite tragic um, because we see a victim blaming in very many facets of society. Um, for example, the the example of um, that, that was given of of like uh, someone sending nudes and then they leaked. But then i was watching the tracy ellis ross uh, ted talk uh what's it called it's called uh, a woman's fury Holds lifetimes of wisdom and one of the things that she said is that we always talk about the victim and we put all the attention and the pressure on the victim but we're not talking about the per- perpetrators and i think that's one of the biggest problems i have with twitter when all these like sad incidents and crimes get reported and a girl comes out and says okay this happened um, and then now the debate becomes about is she lying but no one's questioning did the guy do it the question is is she lying and you know and that that makes me understand why a lot of people don't like coming out um, because of what they potentially face and what they fear facing which is uh, quite a shame um, to want to know if you had any you know outlook on that really of victim blaming in Zimbabwe it's particularly our society our community and our age bracket
2: I think yeah. I mean, it's obvious to know that it's wrong, but it's just like one of those things where we as a society, we have to like now think about like, okay, how are we going to progress from this? How are we going to do better? And I think, I don't know whether it was Chetza who said it, but then like when when she described our social uh, dynamic as like uh, in denial, our social climate rather in denial, I think it's, also, like, comes part and parcel with it. It fits in with what we're talking about now. It's like people don't want to admit that they're wrong. People don't want to admit that their actions are wrong. And yeah, that I mean, that also just goes back to what aboutism. It's like one of those things where you want to deflect. Like, even if you're even if you're speaking half truths and or if you're not completely wrong, you want to focus on what you're doing right and not improving on what's going wrong. So I think that's, yeah, that's just like the next step, like victim blaming is not on, we can't, we can't be accepting it. And yeah, I think that's all I've got.
0: Okay. I hear you. Um, so now on to my next question, which is sort of going back to the whole, idea about how to tackle, you know, so, sort of the plights that, that we're sort of advocating to fight against. And my question is, so what becomes or what can be a strategy to reach out to and, you know, inform? I don't want to use the word educate, but rather inform um, those people in more high density areas and in the rural areas as well because this is something that's probably a lot more prevalent in rural areas than it is you know in urban areas like where we stay or where we're accustomed to staying so what what do you guys think would be sort of i don't want to say game plan but a blueprint moving forward sort of like informing people in those areas because that's you know a real uh how can i say um a real area that's, that's affected by it a lot worse than, you know, in city centers, et cetera.
1: I think, um, and this comes into play with everything we've discussed, we have, as a society, we have founded our trust in men. So when we take the initiative to victim blame, it's because our allegiance is with the man. And I think that's something that's going to take literal centuries to change, um, but it has to be utilized as a tool for affecting change. In as much as I believe in the power of women, it is up to men 100%. I think um, only the oppressor can stop oppressing. So I think the radio, for one thing, is powerful also as a side tool, but chiefs, in principalities and districts, the leading male figures, the ones that everyone listens to and looks up to, looks, looks, look up to. Um, they are the ones that need to be changed and um, brought onto our side of things, so that they can affect change in rural areas. Because it is usually men who are, even if it, women learn to believe in the fact that they don't deserve to be beaten especially in the rural areas when they have literally no power. If they divorce their husband, that's them and their children on the streets with no food and no shelter anymore. It's up to the men who are leading these communities to work with the men within those communities um, to change sentiments surrounding these issues. I think it's very ambitious to hope that they may land somewhere close to where we are, but I think somewhere we need to start is just with gender-based violence. Um, GBV, um, domestic violence, is something that is culturally expected. At kitchen parties, women are told, yeah, your husband will beat you sometimes. And men are told, if she does this, just beat her. And I think that's where we really need to start. And it's also in somewhere lighter for men to start, I think. Rape and sexual assaults, It's a bit complicated. It has proven to be a bit complicated. So, yeah.
3: Um, Yeah, there's a lot that we don't actually know, like the intricacies of what actually goes into helping people and, you know, like on a practical scale, what actually works and what doesn't. But I think a very important thing for them to be able to have access to is alternatives, I guess, because it's very difficult. Let's say you are in a situation that... Um, in which you are in danger. Um, It's very difficult to actually walk away from that situation if you don't have an alternative, like you don't have anywhere else to go. So, yeah, I think it's important to provide alternatives and provide them with, um, I guess, um, information of the resources that they actually have, because there are quite a few um, organizations and groups that try to provide services to these people with be it legal or um whatever context that they may need help with i think it's just important for them to actually know that they have access to them and understand how to do it and yeah just have alternatives to their current reality if it is negative
0: no i agree with that because i think it can be and obviously this is me just imagining because I can't even begin to fathom what it would be like to be in their shoes. But my impression is that, you know, it must be the most frightening thing to go from, you, because they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They, they have this devil that they know, which is a very tough situation. And then they have to the unknown, which is equally as frightening. So I think just like Cheers is saying, it's important to show them that they have alternatives so that they don't think that what they're going through should be normal or that it should be permanent um it shouldn't even be temporary but at least you know there have to be resources available to them then hopefully you know that can help them make that jump um yeah to wonder
2: do you have any thoughts on that oh no not not any concrete ones but yeah it's it's been an eye opener more than anything listening to you guys talk so far okay
0: um just going back to what also said she said that only the oppressors can stop oppression, and I think that's a very important you know, piece of wording because We have to stop asking victi- victims for answers as to why it happens. You know the power is with the oppressors unfortunately. Um, but for us to take that power back, we have to hold them accountable. That means you know holding our friends accountable, holding those around us, and even those that we don't know, celebrities, for example, accountable. If we don't, then there's not gonna be much progress on that front because the power remains with them. And if we don't take away that power, then we're not going to see much progress or much change in that facet. Um, And then my final question is to do with how sometimes, I think people don't understand that there's a correlation, right, between sorry, between the smallest incidents, and how that ends up contributing to rape culture. So I just wanted to ask, why is it that it's so important that we stress to people the importance of avoiding these small actions that become habitual and then end up, you know, contributing to rape culture in general?
1: I think, for one thing, um, like he was saying before. Behaviors accumulate um, and neural pathways accumulate and one day it's you just in the locker room not commenting on someone who says that person A was responsible for being raped, girl A was responsible for being raped, um, as opposed to the man who raped her. It then moves forward into you being in a situation where one of your boys is the one who's doing something sketchy and now you haven't built up the mental resilience to say something. I think there's a lot of misinformation and misconception about the process to being a better person, quite literally. you have to hold yourself accountable. You're not going to wake up one day and know what's wrong and right immediately. You're not going to wake up and like, now you're just like, no, I'm a social justice warrior. You don't say that that's disrespectful to women. It's a daily thing. And by taking those small steps, you build that mental resilience um, to being able to stand up in situations of much bigger gravity. So it's important to be steadfast and hold firm to what you believe in the smallest of situations. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that, Tenazwa. She has a do you have an answer or an opinion on that?
3: Um. Honestly, I agree with Tenazwa. She basically covered everything. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I know that feeling definitely. Sometimes in Toronto goes first and he gives my answer. So I'm quite familiar with that. But I just want to say thank you so and also for joining us today, I really enjoyed listening to what you guys have to say, answering some of my questions, some questions in mine, and Tawanda's as well. Because um, for some of these things, it's obviously, you can think for yourself and get inform your own opinions. But it's also good to sometimes hear what other people think, whether you know the dissenting views might be different from yours or quite similar, and just if they're similar. sort of reinforces what you already believe and if they're different then it helps you question what you believe and hopefully build and grow from that so thank you so much for taking time out of your day to help us record this um and we hope to be hearing from you guys soon again um if you want to find out more about we are not boards the organization you can follow them on twitter or on they have a youtube channel as well and you can find some of their content on instagram as well they have a link tree which has some very useful resources i sifted through it earlier on this week um so go ahead and just find their link th- link tree on the instagram bio um on instagram they are simply we are not broads and yeah that's all from myself simba and Tawanda. and we hope to hear from you guys soon take care